Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Well, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Podcast. I'm once again Jim Manfred Jakub. We're here to discuss the six events that have happened this week. So prepare for a longish, longish talk this time. And we will actually start from a listener question. Uh, Jan, uh, welcome back. Uh, you were quite a figure in our first year, that's for sure. Uh, glad to glad to hear that you'll be able to watch as much tennis as you want from now on. And Jan is asking us about the potential of Hiesbrauer and Jelesels. Which one do we think will get to the higher ranking? And I think it's a it's a very interesting. Like you can really go both ways here. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I I feel like it's easy to say that with with the recent performances and obviously we'll talk about yellow cells later uh i feel i feel like yellow cells has to be the choice right now i feel like heisbrauer uh he, he hasn't really followed up uh on on the breakthrough that he had earlier in the season as much as i thought he would sort of with the performances that he had on the north american challengers of course he had the semifinal in chicago but early losses when he played lexington did have a nice run at the us open to the second round so it's been sort of a mixed bag for him. So I don't know how much further he can really go from 144 is his uh, current ranking and his highest ranking, I believe. Celsius has already passed it. I feel like Celsius is on right now. So I feel like yellow Celsius is the, is the choice for me. Interesting. I was actually like legit when I heard this question, I was like, yeah, easily prower. I, I think his game just has more obvious... Uh, you know, more obvious ways to win points, more obvious ways that he can uh, win matches while not being on a hot streak, which is I what I'm not sure if Cells will be able to do. Uh, but then I was just I was just watching the final, of course, which we're going to talk about later, and I figured that probably the only thing, the only reason why I don't believe that this hot streak will last for Cells is that he's had so many years being a mediocre ITF challenger fringe guy. And then I practically realized that Brower has had them too. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're quite close in age. So, yeah, I, I don't. As, there's that much of an argument there. For as, as I said earlier, I think you can really go both ways here. Just game-wise, looking at it, I think Brower makes a little more sense. But honestly, to see both in that 140 something ranking range is just range is just insane. Because before yeah. this year, we never would have predicted that. And honestly, before September, we never would have predicted that for Yellow Cells. So it's uh, it's quite wild. Uh, I think neither gets to the top 100, but if someone will, then Brower for me. Uh, but I totally understand your reasoning or reasoning with Cells. So yeah, let's... Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's very interesting to me that, you know, obviously last year we had the huge rise of Botik van der Sandskulp and then Talon Greekspor. 
both of them rising very well. We, the the next wave of these guys, Tim Van Rijtelen <laughs> and Brauer and Celsa, have sort of followed it up again and gotten the spots that, 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 that those guys were in before. So and we already yeah, know. Uh, we already know. Uh-huh. Exactly. And we yeah. already know which Dutchman it will be. Uh, actually, yeah. one, one yeah. of them only. Max Hokes. Oh, Max Hokes. Yeah, yeah. He he showed some potential this totally year. Totally makes sense. I think he was actually uh, planning to go to the South American uh, circuit uh, in in late 2022. I'm not sure which week uh, is uh, he's going to start at, but he took that he took some time off and was preparing to. Uh, to start playing challengers more frequently. He's actually signed up for Lima uh, 2, which starts on October 24th. Uh, so we're, soon we're going to see Max Hokus in a few South American challengers already. Uh, yeah, anyhow, uh, I guess we will just have to get back to it in um, in a while. And now let's go to Parma, which was the, the only 125 this week. Yeah, certainly a surprising titleist and a surprising final, I think, overall that we had in Parma. Uh, it was Timofey Skat, Josef Kovalik, 7-5-6-7-6-4 for his first challenger title and his first final. He moves up 58 spots in the rankings to number 151, his new career high ranking. On his road, he beat Napolitano, Taberner, got a retirement from Mate Valkus uh, in the quarterfinals, beat Gianluca Mager, and then beat Dick. Uh, not the strongest roads to win a 125, that's for sure, from Skatov. But what did you think of him this week? Yeah, that, that retirement from Valkus is just something else, you know. He was 1-6-0-4-15-30 down, and he still won it. And Valkus is just the, the most unlucky player of the season. I recently saw someone on Twitter trying to say that uh, Siner, and I can't remember who on the women's side were the most unlucky players of the season. And uh, I know he was talking about the main tour and he was talking about, you know, stars relatively, of course. And Sinner has been fairly unlucky. I, I definitely agree with this. He's had a lot of health issues this year. But, you know, compared to Mate Valkus, this is not... <laughs> the guy just cannot play three matches without injuring himself. And he was barely moving again in the Skatov quarterfinal. And yeah, as you said, it's, it, it's, a, it's not a tough road. It, it honestly makes sense that Skatov would win a challenger, but maybe not as big of a challenger. But, you know, the guy made at least the semifinals in four of his last five challengers. So at least in the past two months, it totally made sense. Uh, I think there were definitely some glimpses of the Australia forehand, as I like to call it. Uh, I, I believe I probably <laughs> explained it on the show before that, that you know, he had this fantastic uh, streak of hitting his forehand so aggressively with so much confidence in Australia at the beginning of the year, pretty much never again played it like that, uh, especially not in the summer. But right now it's sort of coming back, so it makes sense. But honestly, the final was on Kovalik's racket and um, it, it it showed that in, import, in the important moments, Skatov still prefers to stay back, prefers to be very passive. He was way too passive in that second set tiebreak, uh, which Kovalik just totally dominated with his forehand. And even that almost comeback from 0-5, it just, just showed that this match, you know, it, it depends on Kovalik, not on Skatov. Yeah, I think it's very impressive for, for Skatov to, to have turned around the season like this. Uh, he obviously struggled a, a lot in the summer when you look at some of these losses that he had. He have losses to, to 
Rossol on clay. You have losses to Jisung Nam and Nur Sultan, uh, Alexander Weiss and Zanarino Raymond in Toulouse. So for him to go into this uh, fall period and be great semifinals at four of his uh, last five events, if you include this one, it's certainly very impressive for him. Uh, as for Kovalik, it was his 12th challenger final, five and seven in those finals, his second one in 2022. He gets to move up 19 spots to number 137 in the rankings. Um, on his road here, he beat Pellegrino, Koboli, Vavasori, and Kopshiva. What did you think of Kovalik? Yeah, nine match, nine match win streak. I I never realized that he was gone after after Tulm, uh, before he before he came here. But he totally kept that form up. And uh, yeah, as I said, I think he'd be very disappointed with this with this final loss, because sure. it it was really on on his racket for the most part. And uh, especially you know, <laughs> I, but we've seen it so many times, right? Someone goes up. Uh, someone goes down a couple of games in the deciding set, stops believing, and then you just get very, you know, you completely, you, you get very loose. You start actually hitting the way you should be. And then when it starts being palpable that you might be able to come back, then the terrible game comes. And actually at 4-5, 30-40, so match point uh, scatoff, Kovalik made his first double fault of the match. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, good thing for him for sure. Uh, I I thought he was quite a big favorite going into the final, considering the the strength of the runs and so on, especially Skatov being down like that to to Valkus and then Maguer is not that strong of an opponent at this point. But um, yeah, and, and unfortunate for Yosef Kovalik for sure. This is one that he will, I think, remember going forward. <laughs> uh, as for semi-finalists, we had uh, Vid Kopshiva, who beat Roka Bataya, Kolaj, and Karbaya Spaina. Making his third semifinal this season, first one since. What did you think of Itkop Shiva here? Yeah, I think the only like win to remember is the one over Karbaisba. And of course, he reeled off like 11 straight games to take that one. Uh, sadly, I have no idea what happened there because I, I actually remember watching the beginning of it. And then when Karbaisba and I was up break in the opening set, I went to the shop. And while I was shopping, I saw someone texting me, mate, uh, Carbaez Buena lost 11 games in a row. So yeah, as you can imagine, I was kind of shocked to see that the match is already over. Uh, so no clue what happened there. But in, uh, in the semi Kopriva just played his very, uh, played his usual brand of attacking clay tennis. It was, it was very fun to watch. I thought the, the, that semi was definitely the one played at the, at the higher quality than Skatov against Mager. Yeah, and as for other semifinals, it was Jen Mager. Very surprising run for him. He's been struggling a lot this season. I feel like even with this run, he still only has about 20 wins or so. If you discount all his uh, Swiss League and Bundesliga up here, he's been killing it in, in those ones, but just couldn't buy a win on uh, on challengers. Yeah, 19 wins, I think, discounting mm -hmm. the Swiss League and, and Bundesliga. Yeah, but this week he came back from a set down against Cecchinato, then he beat Federico Arnabaldi and Dusan Lajovic before losing to Skatov, uh, his first semifinal since Sanremo in April. What did you think of Maguero? Yeah, I think he's generally been a bit better in, in recent weeks. I mean, if, even if you look at the losses, he's had Lajovic, Cecchinato, Mute, Gombos. Of course, the Mute one was a total demolition, but 
you know, still. This was, uh, he, he was basically, yeah, and he made, uh, he exacted revenge on Tekinato and Lajovic here. So uh, it, it, it's not been as bad as most of the season, I think, in, in recent weeks, at least. Yeah, and I also wanted to touch again on, on Mate Balk, who's so unlucky with his injuries, but he made the quarterfinals here as a qualifier, beating Pirino from a bagel down. Love 6-6, six, six, love 6-4. Uh, I feel like we touched on this when we talked about the draw last week. Uh, then he also went on to beat Vice, uh, Bonadio, and Gianmarco uh, Moroni before obviously being up so much. Yeah, what are, what are your thoughts on Valkus this weekend going forward? He was, by the way, 3-5 uh, down against Moroni in the deciding set, already injured. And Moroni just couldn't close it. So, yeah, but it's it's terrible. I I'm not sure where his ceiling is. Like I doubt he's as good as Pirosh. Maybe not even as good as Maroshan. Although that could be, uh, could be doable. But yeah, I I would just love it. Love to see him play. I don't know five events without injuring himself. It's it's terrible because we, whenever he's playing a challenger this year, he's going deep. He. Actually, when I'm looking at it right now, I didn't realize it. that was it was so good. He made the quarterfinals at in all his six challengers this year, and in four of them he started from the qualifying draw. Mm. Uh, and also his last three losses finished via retirement. So just yeah. constant, well, constant issues. Four, four of his last five, and the one that didn't was just Wimbledon qualifying one off. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, it's not it's, even the same things, I, I think, because in in Francavia it was a shoulder uh, when he couldn't serve properly again. So I think this time it's it's probably something like like back or I don't know. It it, it was kind of hard to tell. He just wasn't really moving, uh, you know, uh, sideways and in, in any direction at some point. It's yeah, it's it's just tragic, really. And over in the doubles, we had Berkic and Chachic. Uh, win the title here in their first um, challenger of the season. They've been on the main tour all year before coming in here, got the title, and they beat Martinez and Zelenai, who is those two titles are still eluding him uh, oh. from that all time doubles record. Uh, it was the fifth challenger final for either player. Um, and Zelenai's first final since June, which was also in Parma, which I thought was interesting. Brugic uh, and Tadzic, by the way, played Phoenix earlier this year. Did they? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think I must have. I must and have I think Brugic, uh, I think I even saw Brugic live, but he wasn't playing with Tadzic then. I think he played uh, Braunschweig with Behar. But oh, yeah, okay, but, yeah, that's why that's why I didn't show up because like together. No, but play. but uh, in Phoenix they played together. Did they? Yeah. Lost to Bejar Escobar in the opening round. Mm. <coughs> like a thief, the Challenger 90 that we had, where ELSLs was the champion, beating Vasek Paul Special. Uh, after two finals losses, he gets his first Challenger title. On this run, he beat Poliak, got a retirement from Lehechka in the second set, then also beat Virtanen and Jurgen Briand, up 31 spots, number 142 in the rankings, breaking the top 150. What did you think of ELSLs this week? Yeah, crazy. Uh, when you, I believe that I'm. I'm not sure because I've never been a pro tennis player, and I've never been 27 for the, for that matter. But I think if you're a 27 year old tennis player reaching a second challenger final, you have to be really gutted because you never really know unless you have some supreme confidence in yourself. You never really know whether that chance is gonna be, you know, happen again for you. 
And then he also blew that uh, one in Braga when he was, I think, just too tired to to play against Puccinelli de Almeida in the semis. So you couldn't really be certain that Yela Sels was just going to be back uh, you know, in, in his next event, pretty much, and also on a different surface, and doing that again, it, it's just yeah. wonderful what he's been doing. Uh, the when he's so confident, then the that one-handed backhand is not really a liability. By the way, a great story from also from Jan, who said that he talked with uh, with Sales, and uh, at some point, I think in May 2017, Sales apparently had an injury that forced him to change to a one-handed backhand. So he wasn't originally playing with it. And perhaps that's also why it can be, you know, often a liability, often a bit clumsy. Uh, yeah, this this is this is kind of mind-blowing, definitely. Uh, I have to I have to try to look for some you know videos of of cells playing uh with a two-hander back in the day. Uh but yeah, as as I said, when he when he's uh, trusting his shots so much, it stops being such a liability. He was even returning extremely well with it against Pospisil, uh, keeping the ball super low. Also, when when Vasek was at the net, uh, just giving him very unpleasant returns. In general, that was uh, his returning was I think the star of the show in the final. Broke Pospisil four times to, um, and only allowed him you know the the, the Canadian to break to break him once. Uh, definitely a, a super, another superb week for sales obviously the best result of his career and it's just come completely out of nowhere i think he's jumped 114 ranking positions in a month yeah yeah if, including tune that that makes a lot of sense there but it's his run very interesting to me it was a tough first set uh first round battle against poliak so when the third then gets that very very tight first set over lehechka Lechka retires, and then from there he's just six three six four six two six three six four six three. So quite quite dominant in those last three rounds there from cells. As for Pospisil, it was a 16th challenger final, his third one this season. He beat Hugo Granier, Jules Marie, JJ Wolf, and Hugo Gaston, reaching the final up 14 spots, number 122. What did you think of Pospisil? Yeah, uh, I believe Pospisil caught a lot of fire in Tel Aviv. Uh, last week and that was also so random because he lost to Kopil in the final qualifying round <laughs> and then you know got a lucky got a lucky loser spot and won two matches and I mean beat Griegsport and Lesha nothing may be super spectacular Griegsport win of course kind of yeah, kind of nice and actually fared quite well I think against uh, no, Novak Djokovic and somehow he just continued that form straight to Mularon Le Captif was the big favorite in the final and didn't cl- clinch it which I think is going to be a bit of a topic um, of this of this show <laughs> with Kovalik with Pospisil with Shelton uh, later <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, throughout the week, I think his form was excellent. And of course, beating Grenier, Gaston and Wolf in uh, in the same week is huge for him. And I think we've talked about it on the show before that Pospisil's career sort of follows this uh, weird up and down traje- trajectory where he makes it to the main tour, falls off of it, either by playing like crap or by injuries. Like right now it would be through injuries more, more, more than actually playing poorly. And uh, then he wins a few challengers in a row or, I don't know, in a, in a short period of time and comes back to the main tour. And it's actually, you know, plausible that that uh, 
uh, that Pospisil can do that again. He he definitely has the level to do that, and he beat. I mean, I I think Grenier was uh, to 101, but you know, he technically beat three three top 100 players. Let let's say two, but Grenier was just behind that uh, that rank. Yeah, last season was obviously a season of struggle for for Pospisil. Very tough, only eight wins all year. Uh, this year obviously was interrupted with the with the shoulder injury, but he started very well. Now he's he, now he's getting into a groove again. Uh, yeah, the only thing that I would say is that at thirty two, this is probably the the last push that he sort yeah. of has for getting back to that sort of main tour player level. Uh, but I don't I don't see a reason why he why he couldn't get it there for sure. As for semi final, we had Uruguay Stone beating Andri Laxonen in a great match in the first round. Then Royer and Gombos to reach his third semifinal in four weeks. Third semifinal in his last three challengers, if you discount that Mets uh, first round, I think it was. What did you think yeah. of Gus this week? I, I picked him because he was cons- to win this event because he was con- consistently going deep in challengers. And that's exactly what I got. So I can't really be angry about it. Uh, <laughs> definitely the, the match against Lexonen surprised me. <laughs> The, the fact that it was so close and and yeah just by the way you know for Laksonen to lose this after all after the year that he's had and how uh short on confidence he's been is just you know it, it's gonna be such a huge hit for for Henry's confidence uh but Gaston prevailed and yeah just yet again another deep run in a challenger although he still can't win one because if uh Maybe some of you don't remember, but Hugo Gaston was, well, he's still in the top 100. So he's actually, uh, I believe, one, the only player in the top 100 without a challenger title yet, because he won, uh, he made four finals last year and won none of them. Yeah, our other semifinalist was much more of a surprise than Hugo Gaston, yeah. who was Berian. Uh, who came seemingly out of nowhere, age 23, here he comes in qualifying. He drops the first set to Hugo Blanchet, 1-6, comes back to win 6-2 in the third, then beats Kirian Jacquet. Uh, in the first round, he beats Richard Gasquet, then Borg, then Mahaj. Uh, lost to Sells sort of easily 2-3 and three in the semifinal, but absolutely out of nowhere for Jürgen Briand. What did you think of him this week? Yeah, and he he was posting some absolutely crazy numbers on serve against uh, Mahach and Gasquet. I think he was on 90% first serves won against Gasquet and Mahach 94. So two top 100 wins for Jürgen Briand, who didn't even have a challenger main draw win before this yeah. week. Uh, that slice is super nasty. Uh, it's it's really you know, one of the best shots on the challenger tour, like one of the best slices on the challenger tour. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure about it. Uh, but yeah, whether this is replica, uh, whether this is replica, oh, replica, oh, I can't say replica, replica, I don't know why. I, I, I cannot, I cannot say R and all. I don't know why. Um, hmm? yeah, no, I, I was just checking because you said it so many times after. No, yeah, I, I, I don't know. My, my mouth just doesn't work that way, but never mind. Anyhow, you, you all know what I meant. And uh, yeah, uh, he actually got a wild card because of his run to Saint Tropez next week, which is which is pretty super. Uh, what well, was pretty surprising to me, honestly, that uh, they would uh, be so quick to reward him with a wild card there. But it totally makes sense. He's playing Nick Hart in the in the opening round, so definitely winnable. 
uh if i mean i can i can totally see him repeating that sort of a run indoors although maybe not by beating mahach and Gaske. <laughs> that that's probably you know a bit too far-fetched yeah uh is there anybody else's singles that you want to talk about here i don't think so all right in the doubles we had sander arans and david pell win the title six seven seven six ten six over raja and sharan uh, for the touch bear, it was the third challenge title this season. They're number seven in the race uh, for Raja and Sharan, third final in 2022 together. All right, we can go over to Guangzhou is the one I have next here, where Jean Borpiroche took the title 6-2-6-4 over Emilio Gomez, the top seed. Uh, for Piroz, his second challenger title, uh, two and two in, in finals, all four in the past 12 months, starting back in Bratislava last season. On this run, he beat Kopeyans, Litu, Hijikata, and Yuban. 138, new career high ranking. What did you think of Jean-Bal Piroz this week? Yeah, he's just been a top 100 player when healthy, honestly. And I even legit think that if not for the injuries this year he would have already been there um it makes a ton of sense he's improved uh, you know his attacking game in general the the way he, he plays the surf plus one forehand now is just so much better and uh, perhaps with his frame he's always going to be a bit injury prone uh, but hopefully he's not gonna be as um yeah he's hopefully he's just gonna be a little a little more healthy in the upcoming seasons because basically since the summer of 2021 he's uh done some incredible work and yeah for me clearly when when healthy and when playing well like he was in Guangyu all week even though honestly Guangyu was the event i saw the the least for sure because for 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 us europeans i think uh Guangyu is yeah the time zones are are just too tough uh especially as honestly the event is just not really making any effort into um well being viewer friendly because both semifinals started yeah. at the same hour and this is uh, that was annoying yeah yeah this this is very rare and in I, challengers I, I stayed up all the way until they started and then I, I go uh -huh. to watch them and, and they were at the same time. It was very, it was very annoying. So, but I watched Pirosh against you. Oh. So yeah. I actually Good. did not, but uh, I did uh, try to stay up for the final, but you know, it turned out it was at 7am and yeah, I just uh, did a lot of short naps and ended up watching the final, but, but yeah, that uh, starting two semifinals at the same time is very, very rare for challengers. So it usually only happens when, when there's like rain delays, but yeah, when, when playing like he did, like he did in Guangyu this week, uh, Pirosh is totally a top 100 player for me. Absolutely. I mean, and the, the, the versatility of the surfaces that he has in his mm -hmm. with his game i think is a huge upside for him that can lead him towards top 100 top 80 if he can stay healthy and so on uh because you because you look at what he did here on outdoor hard you look at what he's done on clay obviously i think that's the strongest surface last year indoor hard in in bratislava then also i mean beginning of the season in on indoor hard he had a nice showing in fortly yeah. two of them um and yeah i i think he's a have to hope that he stays healthy going forward uh you said that he deserves to be in the top 100 but that's <laughs> his other in the top 100 emilio gomez uh 
breaks into the top 100, up four spots to number 98. Uh, could, uh, could, couldn't quite get the title to, to celebrate it, but he gets there his 10th challenger final. Six of those have been this season, which is huge for Gomez. Uh, to have this late career surge is it's really amazing. This week he beat Patel, Mukund, Jisungnam, and Mark Pomans. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Emilio Gomez this week? Does he deserve to be a top 100 player? Yeah, of course. I mean, if you if you make five challenger finals in your past six challengers, then I think you deserve to be a top 100 player. Um, obviously, his draw this week was super weak. Like, this was just a victory lap. This was nothing more than that. And yeah, and, and glad glad that he made it, honestly, because he, he really deserves it. He made it at the age of 30, which is wild. I think he was a bit, uh, he is a bit older than Lestien. So uh, Lestien is no longer the uh, oldest uh, top 100 debutant this year. I think historically, that's probably Estrella Burgos, but that's just... That's just a guess. So the the guys still, you know, have a lot to uh, still need a couple of years to to beat that record. Uh, by the way, Emilio Gomez's father, Andres Gomez, won uh, the uh, US uh, the French Open nineteen ninety when he was thirty as well. So mm-hmm. in a way, you know, maybe maybe Gomez will get, or maybe Gomez has already gotten his career defining achievement at the same age uh, as well. Uh, yeah, as I said, I, I think he totally deserved it. Although, yeah, the, the, this run, I think the the draw, not maybe not necessarily the draw, but the way it all ended up, the the way some players, especially Mingwu, got eliminated. Gomez just had a very very easy run to the final. Oh, it wasn't easy because he well he played Polmans in a deciding set tiebreak, but it was you know easy on paper. Yeah, I mean, I, I said it before, and I said I'll, I'll say it again. Emilio Gomez this season, it's it's a masterclass in scheduling for me. Yeah. Because uh, in, in ELO and all of that stuff, he's way, he, he's he's quite a bit lower than his actual ranking due to him not always playing this. If you if you show up and nobody is stronger than you and then you win the event, I mean, that's fair enough to me. It's, it's not vulturing because that's the level that he's at. He's at the Challenger Tour level right now. Um, it's just... Yeah, it, it, it's all about maximizing the talent, I think, because you look at Gomez's game, you probably say he's not a top 100 talent. He's, you know, top 150 talent. But to to go and schedule some, himself like this, to play these events week in, week out, go deep in them, it's, I think, quite impressive from him. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, he's just choosing the right challengers to play. Uh, and that's also why he made the top 100. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. that in the past he wasn't doing that because he probably was it was sort of doing that as well. But you know, it's it's a combination of his game improving and at the same time smart scheduling. Yeah, let's talk about our semifinalists. Uh, we mentioned, oh, well, we mentioned both of them, but I'll start with you, Banks, who beat Mansuri, Park, and Marterer. Also took off a set uh, of Pirosh in their match, his first challenger semifinal this season. What did you think of you, Banks? Yeah, very solid. Just uh, I, as I said, I did not watch uh, the semifinal against Pirosh or the semifinal between Polmas and Gomez, uh, but I, I definitely saw a bit of that Martyr win and also against Mansuri. I think uh, you can already see uh, why the that half was a, a little, you know, so much stronger than the other. Let's let's say that because he you know, matches like Eubanks Martyr, Eubanks Mansuri, that just wasn't happening in the top half. And and yeah, 
he he pulled off a, a very nice, almost pulled off a very nice comeback against Piroz, but yeah, what just was just outplayed in the third set again. Yeah, and the other one was Mark Pomlands. Much more surprising, he's been away from the tour for quite a while. His first challenger since February in Bangalore. Uh, this week he beat uh, Millman after the first set. Uh, Millman retired. Then he beat Keegan Smith uh, and Neuquist and pushed Emilio Gomez all the way to a third set tiebreak. He gets to move up 225 spots in the rankings to number 562. So that's a big chunk of uh, that way back for him already there. Uh, and he's ranked one spot right behind uh, Kyle Edmund, which I thought was pretty fun. Those two guys. <laughs> yeah. Being pulled down next to each other. But yeah, what did you think of Pomans this week? Nice to see him back healthy, but this is again sort of what I've been talking about for the past two minutes. I mean, he, he beat Neukrist in a challenger quarterfinal and Keegan Smith in a second round. <laughs> The you know the the halves of the draw after Ibing Wu got eliminated really got, got, yeah that they that there was a big discrepancy of strength of course Polmans had Milman in the opening round which was very tough but you know got a retirement so it doesn't really count yeah and we should also mention the man who took out Ibing Wu uh, in this draw it was Chi Sung Nam beating Roch and Hazawa in qualifying, then beating uh, Yon Siung Chong 7-5 in the third before taking out Yi Bing Wu 6-4-6-2. Very weird. Then had yeah. a, a equally weird match against Imines where he lost 1-6-6-1-1-6. Uh, um, yeah, his first challenger quarterfinal since November 2019 in Kobe. What did you think of Ji Sung Nam this week? Yeah, I, I didn't watch the match against Wool, so unfortunately have no clue what happened there. That was like in the middle of the night, like most of the Guangyu matches, honestly. Uh, but yeah, it, it's such a huge contrast between the guys who Wu lost to this year. Because, well, I'm talking of the ones that he lost to not via retirement, because it was Daniel Medvedev and Jason Kugler. So yeah, th- this is definitely one of the upsets of the of the year for me. Yeah, it should definitely knock down that ELO of 25 or whatever it was yeah. uh, by, by a bit. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, it really puts some, you know, some doubt in you, even though it, perhaps it shouldn't. But, you know, considering uh, that even who is capable of losing to Jisung Nam, you sort of start, stop thinking about him as a top 50 player anymore. And, you know, that, that confidence will have to be rebuilt. Yeah, I, we, we both picked uh, Wu this week. I doubt either of us will pick him for the next yeah, one. Yeah, especially... And do you know who he's playing in the opening round? Yes, yeah. I've actually yeah. done a lot of for the next week. I already have all my winners picked. I'm not uh, bucking on any of them this time after okay. a near miss with Ben Shelton. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, in the doubles here, we had a very strong doubles final. And Miguel Angel Reyes Varela won the title, their sixth challenger title in 2022. They reclaimed the number one spot in the challenger race and they beat Yuki Bambri and Saket Mineni, for whom it was the sixth challenger final, number five in the race. So very, very strong final here. And we can move on to Tiburon, the final that we just watched before starting the recording, where Zachary Svaida won the title over Ben Shelton, 2-6, Damien is... <laughs> Taking his head, he can't believe it. He had Shelton uh, as his pick. I had Shang, I think. Yeah. 
Svaida, his first challenger title. It was a wild run. He beat August Holmgren in a third set tiebreak to start. Then Michael Moe, third set tiebreak, down 1-5 in that third set. Uh, so massive fight back. Then he beat Escobedo and Galarno before coming back from 2-6, uh, 2-6, 2-all, I think it was. Yeah, against Ben Shelton. He, was, he gets to move up 124 spots to number 255 in the rankings. What did you think of Schweida in the final? Yeah, at, at 4-0 up in the first set, I legit think thought that uh, Shelton might just double bagel him. Uh, but maybe he will win a game or something, but you know, but he wasn't gonna win much more, really. It, it was how it, Shelton was just too explosive for him. Sfida wasn't really doing much with the ball as usual, like it, it just felt like watching Ben Shelton on at target practice or something. And he Shelton actually won the first 18 points on his first serve, I think it, it was crazy. and. To see him implode against Sfida like that, it, it's just, it's very weird because you watch Zachary Sfida play and yeah, sometimes he just doesn't miss a ground stroke. That's impressive, of course. But then you start wondering why all these super talented players just break down against him. And it's, there are far too many of them for this to be, you know, just a random coincidence. And yeah, I, I honestly have very little clue. Like, what's so special about Zakaris Fida that, I don't know, Ben, ben Shelton can hit through? Uh, did he play any good grinders here? Uh, Sam Riffis, I don't know. Sam Riffis, yeah. What, what's uh, what's different between Sam Riffis and Zakaris Fida? He, he knows Riffis very, very well. He practiced with him a billion times probably in at the University of Florida. So maybe that's the difference, but you know what I mean? And yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure, but definitely some, some great mental effort from, from Svida to stay in that match because for a while there, it really looked like Shelton was just going to kill him. And yeah, and it's his first, uh, it was his first final too, right? So he mm -hmm. definitely yeah. fared much better than Shelton when it comes to the mental aspect. Yeah, I mean, he, he showed in this final and he showed against Mo that he has that belief in his game. If he keeps retrieving, the guy will, the other guy will start missing it, probably. And that it rang true both times. And that's how, that's how he got his first challenger title here. And yeah, and speaking of our, of our finalists here, Ben Shelton, his third final, his third final loss on the challenger tour, all have been this season. Uh, previous ones have been to Yibing Wu and Roman Safilin, though this was the first final where he came in as quite a strong favorite and he earned that uh by by his run this week uh tough opening round against Kirosh where he went to a third set tiebreaker but after that uh was very strong against Riffis 6362 strong against Kruger 6364 uh got a bit not, I, I'm not going to say lucky but a little bit lucky against Dennis Kudla with the with the shoulder injury that Kudla suffered uh he was forced to retire three love down in the deciding set uh, he he was up in this match as well. Um, what what do you think went wrong for for Ben Shelton and call this this meltdown here? Well, you know, a little of it is mental for sure. I think in his first final against Wu, just didn't have a chance. But the one against Safurin, he also choked away. Uh, what went wrong? I mean, he's you know he's got this super explosive game, but it the shot selection can still be very spotty. The rally tolerance sometimes isn't there, so. 
but it shouldn't happen, right? It shouldn't happen to the guy because there's just not much on the balls that satisfy the sense back. And for a set and a half, it looked exactly like that. I mean, Shelton was just, yeah, as I said, was like a target practice. So very tough to say. <laughs> uh, it's definitely kind of worrying that he's lost three of them already and was in winning positions in, in two of them. Yeah, he moves up 17 spots to number 160. Uh, does this final sort of at all affect how you view him as a prospect going forward? Probably not. I don't think so. Not yet. I mean, I, I, I we knew that he had a, you know some issues when it comes to just you know being patient when it comes to yeah selecting his shots. We we knew that there's issues there. So probably not. All right, we can talk about our semifinalists. Uh, let's start with Dennis Kudla, who, as I mentioned, very unlucky. Uh, this week beat Brandon Holt uh, in a, by, by retirement in the second set. Then Leandro Riedi and Enzo Coaco, both in straight sets, though Coaco's were much tighter than Riedi's. Uh, he was a setup on, on Shelton as well. Unfortunately, it, it did look like a shoulder injury to me. I, I think that's what it was. Uh, the fifth semifinal in 2022 for Denis Kudla. What were your thoughts on him this week? Yeah, he also made the semis in carry and maybe maybe wasn't exactly at uh, his very best, but definitely played quite well. It, it it shows that even when he bounces off the main tour, he can still get good runs in challengers. And I guess that's sort of been the story of his career also. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and in carry, he had a wild match with Zachary Sveda down, down a bagel and then one love 6-6-2-6-2. Um, yeah, our other semifinalist was Alexis Galarno, who beat Fancelo 7-5-4-6-6, Kozlov in straight sets, then Job 6-4 in the third before losing to Svaida in straight sets. Third semifinal in 22 for Galarno. What did you think of him? Uh, I mean, he, he's just getting uh, you know, more, more, he's just getting to these deeper stages of the American events more often, which is nice. Uh, had this loss in to Chapel in Columbus, which was quite shocking. Yeah. But that was the that was the event where Chapel went deep, right? I don't know. Maybe maybe he just likes that very quick quick Ohio State court. Uh, yeah, court. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe you know the the loss against Thompson in Charleston. Everyone lost to Thompson, I think. No, no. Charleston was uh, was uh, yeah delayed by the I mean delayed cancelled by the by the hurricane. So so not that, but you know. Uh, it's not like he was in any bad form. I think he just had that uh, poor loss against Chapel, and and that was really it. So, uh, just another solid run. And yeah, even if he doesn't have a big ceiling, he can totally be winning events like that in the future. Yeah, I mean, you you could say about him coming into this tournament, five out of the last six matches lost. Uh, one of his only win was by retirement over Inicio. Really, the only bad loss was to Good just Apple, to Chapel. Yeah. Um, anybody else in singles you want to talk about? No, probably not. I, I there was like uh, there were a couple of guys who went came very close to winning their opening rounds, like Holmgren always almost beating Svida. I wonder where he would have gotten. For example, that's that's quite exciting to me. And of course, Alex Mikkelsen got a got a win over Yuncheng Shang. Uh, yeah. pretty decent junior, uh, Mikkelsen, of course. Shang was a pretty awesome junior, of course, uh, <laughs> getting toward number one. 
Uh, I didn't see the match against Shang, so I stayed up late to watch his next one against Jab because both were, you know, I, I think both were uh, pretty late. And yeah, and I fell asleep. So <laughs> I can't really talk much about Alex because of... there you go. In the doubles, we had uh, two singles that two singles guys that we've talked about previously this season: Landro Riedi and Valentin Vachero teaming up. Uh, first challenger title for either of them in doubles. And they beat two guys we haven't really talked about, uh, Zeke Clark and Alfredo Perez. Perez, who lost to Chapel, by the way, in qualifying this in singles. First challenger final for either one, both former NCAA players. Uh, so, yeah, teamed up very well there in doubles. And the last was Alicante. Well, last final, like completed final. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was was Alicante, where Lukas Klein leaves uh, the champion, beating Nick Hart 6-3, 6-4, his second challenger title, 2-0 in finals. He's, you know, unflappable. Well, he did, did go down 1-4 in that second set to, to Hart, uh, but won both his finals. In the first round, he beat your pick for the title, Katz Berzuk, uh 6-3, 6-4, quite comprehensively. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Then he came back with the down. <laughs> uh, I, I just can't get over that. I, I can't get over that pick. Sorry. But honestly, uh, right now it doesn't even look as stupid, because when no, he okay. when he lost to Klein, who won the title, like the yeah, it would have been way uh, worse uh, if he lost to uh, Federico Guy. I'm sure somebody sent this to Klein and they said, "Oh, Damian Cruz picked directly against you. He picked your first round opponent for the for the title." Uh, <laughs> in the second round, he beat Hertz from a set down 4 6 7 6 6 4. Huge win for him there. Uh, Demi Caruso 6 3 6 love, Marojan 6 4 7 6. Dealt with Hart in the final. He gets to move up 42 spots to number 180, breaking the top 200 for the first time in his career. What did you think of Lukash Klein this week? Actually, his first hardcore event of the year, which is pretty wild. <laughs> I think there aren't yeah. many players who play. No for the first time on hardcourts in October, even clay specialists usually do. Uh, he, 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 he did skip the first three months, pretty much all of it. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's that's interesting that he hasn't played on hard yet this season. I think Jari played for the first time on hardcourts in like August, but other, other than that, you know, guys who actually do well on this surface as well, because for a long while, I think most of Klein's success was indoors, especially Bratislava Challenger, where he was uh, usually like coming up on the calendar. Yeah, circling for sure. But it was always his event, right? He 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 randomly made deep runs there, like two or three years ago, um, yeah, yeah. maybe even four. So, uh, so yeah, I I always sort of thought of him as a as an indoor hard hardcore guy. But when we had that famous debate of Klein versus Molchan, we, we actually mentioned that Klein is doing well on all surfaces. So that's why we thought he had more potential than Molchan. We mm. probably don't think that anymore. <laughs> and, and Molchan <laughs> is now doing well on, on all surfaces, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but uh, when it comes to Klein, yeah, sure. I mean, the, the, the draw in Alicante, I don't think was that strong. Uh, I really wonder. What if Zhuk could have done anything <laughs> if he landed in a different spot? But Klein was definitely better than than like the rest of the field. I think that's that's not even uh, something that anyone can disagree with. I I usually try to refrain from statements statements like that because they seem very um, like very easy lazy to me. But Klein just 
makes a ton of lousy errors. Like the guy just, yeah, yeah. yeah he, he he plays a very uh, aggressive, you know, uh, style with a lot of ventures to the net. So it's obvious that errors will come. But he just randomly drops focus for a couple of balls. I don't know. It's and you know it, these aren't. Uh, I mean, it, it, it is definitely an issue. But I feel like the positive thing is that it's happening less and less. Um, like I, I remember watching this torturous match in Bratislava in in I think that was 2019 on the clay where he played. He lost this like wild match with Midlar, and it was just this weird back and forth of him being incredibly focused and being on it. And then mm-hmm. just dropping for three games and just doing nothing and just back and forth, back and forth. And he lost that match. Um, and I mean, he's shown that, sh- shown much less of that on this round, I think. Yeah, 2019, he lost to Midler in the second round. Um, sure, uh, definitely that stretch in the final, which you mentioned when he was one for down to, to Nick Hart. That was exactly it because he, he that, lost that four games. Those, yeah. yeah, he lost four games in a row and that was it. And then... Uh, I mean, Hart, I think, had a medical timeout when 4-1 up, but it didn't seem to be something with his uh, arm and it didn't, or maybe elbow, it was around the elbow, but it didn't seem to be like anything crucial, anything that stopped him from performing his best. But in the next five games, you could just see how easy that matchup is for Klein, but he still had that terrible stretch. And yeah, it, it's a little frustrating because when he when he won Troisdorf, I think we are both expecting... You know, I don't know, may- maybe not him winning four challenger titles this year or something like that, but just a lot of good consistent results. And, you know, in, in recently it's been materializing again. Sure, uh, he's made the quarterfinals at least in his last four challengers, but there was a moment in the summer when, when he was sort of disappointing. But yeah, still, I'm still very, uh, yeah, he's, he's going to get to the top on 200 now. I remember saying uh, a couple of months ago that in two years he was going to be in the top 100. I'm not sure if that was a serious prediction, but it's definitely doable for a guy like him. Yeah, I mean, his, his summer was was a bit funky after 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 the Troisdorf title. Uh, lost very early in, in Bratislava, but that I think was more exhaustion. Qualified for Wimbledon, which I thought was a great effort. Uh, really impressive, really upset that he couldn't close out that first round that he had with Brody. Um, and then, yeah, then, then there was that that weird stage where he was to Mpeji Perigard and, and Tabur in, in back-to-back matches. But yeah, since then, he's he's come along very well heading into September and Bernal on hard courts as well. Uh, yeah, we can talk about Nick Hart, our finalist, his first challenger final. Uh, he beat Jeffrey Blancano by retirement uh, right after the first set. Then uh, Alvarez Varona in straight sets, Emilio Navas 6-1 in the the third set, Arnaldi 5-7-7-5-6-4, ultimately lost to Klein in the final, up 36 spots to number 219, his new career high ranking. What did you think of Nick Hart this week? Yeah, the fact that we're gonna get Nick Hart in Grand Slam qualifying soon probably is kinda (laughs) kinda wild, but... Yeah, he, he played out of his skin this, this week for sure, I think. Um, especially the, the, the beginning of the semifinal against Arnaldi was so high quality from both guys. Uh, um, Arnaldi maybe not so much, but Hart we think of only as a counter puncher, but he was really going after his forehand and that was, that was really what he was doing throughout the week. I didn't expect him to beat Nava. I didn't expect him to beat Alvarez Varona. He, he did all that and, 
uh, kudos to him. Although, you know, the final, it seemed very, very one-sided to me before the match. And outside of that poor stretch that we mentioned by Klein, it, it wasn't really a contest at all. Yeah, speaking of Analdi, I, I, I watched the sort of ending of that match with Hart, and he like there was this moment where he slapped himself twice, and like it seemed like really hard. Uh, just I, I don't know. I just wanted to mention that because that was something that I'm not used to seeing, uh, like slapping yourself in, instead of like smashing a racket or something. It's been a very good season for him. Um, good run here as well, beating Ulysses Blanche. Yes, for De Jong and Federico Ferreira Silva before losing that match to Hart. Uh, his fifth semi-final in 2022 on the Challenger circuit. What did you think of him this week? Yeah, he, he, he at, at least right now, he's not going to be as good on hard courses on clay, but with this slightly weaker draw, he was certainly capable of going far. Um, especially seeing him live in, in Szczecin last month, I was very impressed by how much he can also do on the offense, although that's part of his game tends to lose control a bit when he, I don't know, if it's connected to to, to just, you know, just not being something that he's fully comfortable with yet. And sometimes the control is sort of lacking, but um, yeah, I, I remember that a couple of months ago, someone from Italy asked me like, who of these, uh, of these young guys have, according to me have like the potential to do something on the main tour and i remember not saying arnaldi and right now i kind of regret it because i i've really enjoyed the way he's developing perhaps not uh you know perhaps i'm not thinking of him as like an ardi or something but just you know reach the top 100 plane and play in some main tour events this seems very doable he's actually got a very very well balanced game not only not only the defense that he sort of you know grew up playing and uh, was fame initially famous for yeah um a a strong clay quarter who sort of reached and reached the semi-final here uh with draw that's probably the similar case for marojan as well yeah uh, who made his third semi-final here in 2022. Uh, he beat Habib, 6-2-6-1, then Justino, 6-1 in the third. Uh, pulled off, I think, a bit of an upset over Dimitar Kuzmanov, 7-5 in the in the third there, before losing to Klein. What did you think of Marojan here? Yeah, I even remember that when we were previewing the draw, I said that if it was a clay event, I'd be looking at Fabian Marosan. <laughs> Uh, then he reached the semis. I was like, okay, maybe I should have been looking at Fabian Maroshan. Yeah, he's probably not, again, like Arnaldi, he's probably not going to be as good on, on, uh, on hard courts, but it, it's nice to see that he, he is capable of adjusting. Uh, I think there's like, um, his serving is just, is not as good on hard as he does on clay, where on clay it's actually a weapon. And I'd compare it to maybe with someone like Passaro. Where I think they just rely a lot on the clay angles and uh, not as not exactly you know more raw power, which tends to be uh, more effective on on hard courts. And these angles don't don't really do that much. Uh, that you know the ball doesn't bounce as high. So maybe that's why on clay they can be one of the well not one of the best servers on the tour, but perhaps one of the smarter servers. But on hard courts it doesn't really do that much. 
but yeah, very, very nice week for him. And yeah, if, if he's able to uh, pick up points like that, and the same goes for Arnaldi and Hart, if if they're able to, to, to pick up points like that on hard courts, then they're going to have an excellent chance to climb the rankings. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. All right, we can talk about the doubles here in Alicante, which was won by Robin Hasse and Albano Olivetti. Uh, in their first challenger together, they beat Faisiev and Fomin in the final for Faisiev's fifth challenger final for Fomin, his first one. Was there anybody else you wanted to talk about in Alicante? No, probably not. Uh, Landa Luce made his uh, oh, yeah. debut professionally. Uh, which didn't go stunningly well. Uh, lost two and three to to Hertz. We'll see what he does on the on the main tour against Tommy Paul. Uh, in, I can tell you nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean the guy is very talented, but it's just too much. And yeah, early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The match against Hertz was not. I think it was even easier than the scoreline suggests. And I don't expect him to win more than six games against Tommy Paul. Obviously, I'd love to be pleasantly surprised. And I, I actually really think he's got a lot of potential. But yeah, uh, but it's I'm not sure if it's like it's, it's too early for him to win these matches. But it's nice to get the experience. And I'm sure after that, he'll be he's going to play some ITFs. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sort of reminds me of where Daniel Rincon was uh, last season. I feel like he was in a similar position coming off of juniors and then not really doing much in, in these challenger opportunities. But uh, he's he's done the season for himself, for sure, on, yeah. on the ITF. Tour. I mean, he, Rincon, he's you know. Competing. He's, he's, he's competing on the on, in, in qualifying here in South America. Uh, Lando also probably has more potential going forward. Yeah, Rincon was 18, you know, and he yeah, was like, true. yeah, at, at the end of his juniors career, he won that US Open title, but he had a completely, well, way less pro-ready game. And, you know, Landalusa is, according to UTR, like the best under-16 player in the world by a country mile. So, yeah, I think it's a very different position, although I do understand the comparison. Yeah, I mean, with, with, with the, the the age definitely makes makes different makes a difference there. Uh, um, yeah, maybe, maybe he's more in the position of like Yun Cheng Shang, who yeah uh, had some spot ups last last season that went sort of mixed results, uh, and maybe he blows up on us next season here, which will certainly be very exciting to have a seventeen year old Blanta Luce just tearing through the, <laughs> but we'll we'll see. Um, yeah, we can speak about Campinas, where we don't have the, the finished final as we record this. It was rained out. Uh, but Jan Koinski up 6-4, 2-3 on Juan Pablo Varias. His second challenger final, uh, first one was in Merbush in 2018. Um, you have to say, what a renaissance for, for Koinski this week. Started in qualifying, beat Quenin and Zanenato. Uh, then in the main draw, Gonzalo Lama, 6-3-6-1. Juan Bautista, 6-2-6-1. Muller, weirder results, 6-love, 1-6-6-4. Remy Betola in the semifinals as well, in straight sets. 
uh, yeah, what have you thought of Koinski so far? Uh, yeah, uh, along with that stretching quarterfinal, of course, he also won a 15k in August. It it looks like he'll just really quickly be back to where he was before the injuries, which is cool to see. Not sure he has any super high potential. That the you know the issues that we talked about in the I don't know a month ago or so that are still exist. <laughs> like they, they, he doesn't move that well to to suit his the play style that he wants to play. He's uh, you know the the pace is very steady. Like it's not really threatening or anything. But it it's it's certainly very tough to play against for a lot of these challenger guys and also coming to south america and doing this is i guess pretty impressive a lot of the europeans uh, that try to uh, try to switch something up have failed in the past i'm not sure if hoinski has uh, has actually played south american challengers uh, maybe maybe back in the day or something i i can't remember but yeah as you said second challenger final and this one comes very very much out of nowhere but also also made sense with with the way he played this week and maybe he'll maybe he's going to win it after all he is he is a setup uh by the way when uh, in the past when we had uh monday finishes we usually just recorded later but since it's brazil you know it would be like monday evening for us and also the forecast is it's pretty terrible yeah, for Monday yeah. as well. So that's, yeah, that, that'll factored into the decision to uh, just talk about the, the final um, in the middle of it here. And uh, yeah, and we'll probably just mention it uh, in the next episode and just right now talk about all the players as, as, as it stands. Yeah, for Varias, his eighth challenger final, uh, did not drop a set on, on the way here, beat Gastel Elias, Wilson Leite, Facundo Juarez, and Luciano Dardi. But now being a set down, it's sort of giving you shades of that Santa Cruz run, where he was also uh, very dominant throughout in straight sets all the way, and then he lost to Jub in straight sets, who was an absolutely out-of-nowhere character, especially on, on clay. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's sort of seems like a similar situation here for Farias. Maybe he can turn it around. Maybe the rain delay helps him sort of settle his nerves in this final. But yeah, what do you think is going on with Farias this year? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that Santa Cruz comparison. I was thinking about that final a lot, uh, watching the first set today, because Farias seemed, just seems very tight again just like he did against uh, Jab. And honestly, the first set and a half that he played against Hoinski, he really hasn't done much. Uh, mm. Like a lot of straightforward errors, not much of a threat in the baseline rallies, uh, not reading the serve well. I think the break might actually even help Hoinski because he seemed to be getting... Like maybe not tired yet, but a little, you know, a little sweaty. I'm not sure what the what the humidity was, but probably very high because of the the rain. I think it also rained before the final and then during the final, of course. Uh, so yeah, not 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 a great showing after a pretty much perfect week up until then. And he's been better in main tour events this year than in challengers, I think. Yeah, yeah, in 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 those couple of the ones that he that he's played, uh, was it like Gustad? I think. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the semifinalists that we have uh, that we had in Campinas, starting with that Daddy, who had a, a bit of a weird week, to be frank. Uh, starting with a win over Melijani Alves, where he was uh, one six down in the first set, uh, came back to win the second one in the in the tiebreaker, 
And then Melgini Alves retired 5-1 down. Uh, then he got a three-set win over Puccinelli de Almeida. Then came back from a big down against Facundo Bagnis to win love 6-7-5-6-2. Then lost in straights uh, to Varias, ultimately. His fourth challenger semifinal this season. What did you think of that, Daddy? All these South American challengers are already messing with me because I thought that this was the week when he defeated Korea and that was in Buenos Aires <laughs> last time. <laughs> yeah, I, I am just realizing that. Yeah, I, I didn't even notice because of that 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 that, that his route was so uh, so strange. Uh, but it makes sense. I think for the most part, he he played some very high quality tennis this week, and yeah, along with the Korea win. Uh, in Buenos Aires, although everyone is beating Federico Coria right now, uh, I think yeah. it, it it finally uh, yeah it it paints a, a nice picture for Derderi, who's uh, well I think most of his good results this year were actually in Europe, so yeah he's he's finally come back uh, to well home you know he's he's sort of it sort of Argentinian I think he. I think he grew up also in 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 Argentina, then then moved to Italy or something like that. So, uh, so he sort of uh, sort of returned home and finally getting some decent results as well. Yeah, the other semifinals was much more of a surprise. Uh, Remy Bertola making the semifinals uh, the semifinals here as a lucky loser, starting with a win over Mirko Martinez six four in the third, then lost to uh, Jose Pereira six four six one. Got a second chance, beat Altmaier, Dutra da Silva, and Mena before losing to Hoinski. This is, I think, very much out of nowhere. This guy has been playing ITFs for most of the season, showed very little to us. We have seen him on the Challenger Tour. Two losses to Setkic in Challenger uh, qualifying and one main draw. Um, Yeah, what did you think of Betola this week? Yeah, very out of nowhere. Honestly, I've watched this guy a few times because back in 2020, he scored that huge upset over Robredo, uh, back when beating Tommy Robredo was still an upset. And, uh, well, <laughs> honestly, the only thing I remembered about him is that he had a one-handed backhand. And I'm, after this week, I'm not sure I'm going to be, I'm going to remember that much more. Uh, the win against Altmaier was mostly on Altmaier, just, really not playing well in in recent weeks uh it seems that i mean he he took two sets of Sinner at the us open right and it just seemed that maybe just like kudla i mean he's he's on the main tour and he's losing but when he's going to be back in challengers he's going to be huge and yeah it's just it hasn't been like that at all uh yeah but other than that uh just wild upsets every single round by Bertola. I feel I feel like this week you've seen uh, you know that there's a lot of uh, possible options in upset of the week. <laughs> Maybe not <laughs> not only because we have six events, but basically in every single event there was uh, there was a player who went deep, uh, doing some incredible stuff. And in Campinas it was definitely Bertola. Yeah. Anybody else you want to talk about from the singles guys? No, I don't think so. In the doubles, we had Arias and Federico Ceballos win the title, their second of the season, beating Andreozzi and Duran, their fourth final in 2022. Right, we can go over to the aforementioned upset of the week and a match of the week. Let's start with the upset. What have you gone for? 
I really want to go for one of Briant. Uh, and uh, I, I am thinking of Briant over Mahaj, but I would be lying to myself. I just, I don't know. I just I just really want to go for it because I, seeing Mahaj's draw, by the way, Mahaj had a good chance to, of making the top 100. Uh, but well, uh, he he didn't, of course. But when I saw he was playing Briant and then Celsor Virtanen, that, you know, I was so certain that he was going to get there. Oh, and by the way, and we didn't mention that, uh, the Campinas final, uh, one of the people watching it, you know, they're watching it with the most interest is Pavel Kotov, because if Varias wins, then he doesn't break the top 100, and if Varias loses, then he breaks it. So uh, he's currently at one, number 100 in the in the live ATP rankings. So uh, definitely yeah, some stakes. It would be very funny because the the rankings come out tomorrow. If somehow uh, they don't finish it until the rankings are officially yeah. released, Kotov is only in top 100 for a couple of hours i feel like that would be very very funny if you didn't i, I wonder how it's done i think once they're published you cannot really change it uh, mm. so i think they will wait for the campinas final oh, okay. uh, at least i think so uh, I'm, I'm not sure uh, but i think they, they can easily wait for the campinas final like until midday because once you publish them there's no chance so maybe if they decide to finish the final in campinas on tuesday then they're probably not gonna uh wait i don't know i, I have no clue how it's done but i i think huh <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see uh, yeah i i think i i saw something like that in the past that they were waiting for uh for another event to finish obviously it's not needed with itfs because they they get into the rankings after two weeks so it's only about challengers and atp events yeah and uh yeah because i circled to the cut off uh i have to go with uh even losing to jisung nam i just cannot cannot do it any other way that was that was a total shocker i didn't watch it so no clue what happened but uh this is certainly the one that caught me off guard the most and i think it's also the the highest score for the bookies although uh briant over gasquet was also fairly close to it yeah i'm i'm joining on that one absolute shock also didn't see it so <laughs> i don't know what happened there uh but a very very puzzling defeat for you being who will have a lot to prove next week and a big player to prove it against uh who have you gone for for a match of the week no one yet so please start and i will try yeah, to come I, up with i will go, I will go. it's Ugo gaston over anna laxonen i feel like that was an absolutely incredible match Laxonen playing his best tennis, I, I would argue maybe all year. Like I, I don't remember the last time he's he's played this as well. Uh, and for him to suffer the loss here must be so so gutting. It was his um, sixth loss in a row. He was not uh, in it at all. Two in love to Fernandez, eleven two to McDonald in San Diego. So to be in this match and be so close uh, to winning it, but ultimately losing to Hugo Gaston and the French crowd, Gaston of of, of course a, a incredible shot maker, um, making sure that the, that the tennis was very entertaining as well. Yeah, it has to be the match of the week for me. Yeah, I don't want to mimic that, but I think I have to. Just looking at all the results, and this was probably the one I enjoyed the most as well uh the the match point saves the drama at the end like sonen with that racket throw at the at the end as well just showing you how frustrated he is because usually he he wouldn't give you any reaction yeah i think it i think it has to be gaston laxon for me and definitely not a match that i expected to 
you know, be any good. I actually am not sure why I even turned it on, frankly, because after watching like Son and lose to Fairness two six six zero the week before, I wasn't too optimistic about this being a, a, a very entertaining affair. All right, we can go to our previews. Uh, the winners' picks it still stands. It still stands on nineteen to sixteen, but you've been on uh, knocking on the door in, in recent weeks, so I decided to do my full, uh, full prep uh, for these picks as, as I did earlier in the season. You know, looking at the elo rate things and all of that, looking at the records properly coming in. Uh, so hopefully that that does something. I can get another win because it's been a while for me. Uh, so starting in Seoul, the 110 that we have this week, we have that aforementioned huge match to start with. Radu Albot, the top seed, faces Yibing Wu in the first round. Huge match right off the bat. Winner will face Cedric Masoch Tebe or Alexander Bukic. Also in the section, Steve Johnson plays Cheng Kim. And then Chris Eubanks or Dalibor Svercina. So huge first quarter here. Emilio Gomez plays a qualifier. And then Mark Pomans or another qualifier. Kamil Maichajak. Uh, has made the trip out here playing Jay Clark and then John Millman or another qualifier. Christopher O'Connell plays Ryan Peniston and then Rinki Hijikata or Jang Jun. Alexei Popirin plays a qualifier and then Kaichi Uchida or another qualifier. Chung Sin Seng plays Maximilian Materer and then Kimmer Kopians or Tunglin Wu. James Duckworth, Pirosh or Hong Chang. Uh, over in the qualifying. We have some huge names as well, namely Alexander Kovacevic is in the qualifying, and he's somebody who definitely has the potential to win this event. If he gets the right draw, if he gets on a roll, we also have uh, Hamad Mejedovic, who's been huge at some points this season. Other names like Lee Tu, Max Purcell, Skander Mansuri. So these qualifiers will not be easy coming out of this draw. Uh, in the doubles, we have Bambri Mineni. Uh, Paul Manz is playing with Max Purcell. That should be a pretty strong team as well. Uh, Hijikata and Lee Tu are playing together, and Galloway Lawson will be contenders as well. Uh, a little fan of first-round matchup, Chris Eubanks and Kaimo Maikajak are playing together, and they're facing Toshide Matsui and uh, Kato Wetsugi. In the singles, though, who are you going for here? Uh, by the way, an interesting story, because you might have noticed that five... Uh... Well, the, the five highest ranked Koreans aren't here. I think maybe even six. Is Park here? No, I don't think Park is, Park is here either. Uh, apparently there's a Korean national championship going at the same time, going on at the same time. The way, oh. the, the reason why it's scheduled like that is because the national championships are like, it, it's for many sports, not only tennis. Mm. And that's where Kwon is, that's where Chung is, that's uh, Yun Seong, of course, that's when uh, Seong Chan Hong is, that's where Ji Sung Nam is, Dak Hee and all these guys. Uh, Hyun Chang was supposed to be here, but he injured himself during practice again. So hopefully he's, he'll be back in Busan. I hope so. And by the way, uh, Cheong Eui Kim, the guy who is playing Steve Johnson, uh, you might, uh, well, you, you didn't mention it, so I, I believe you probably don't, uh, you know, haven't made the connection. But this is the guy who had uh, two forehands, uh, one from left, one left-handed, one right-handed. <laughs> now, you, you just made this match a, a must-watch for me. Exactly. For, yeah, for me as well. I mean, I, I haven't seen him play in ages, and I hope he still plays that style. I, I, I think it's pro it would probably be a little too tough to... Uh, well, to change at this point of his career, right? 
in in Guangzhou, he lost three and two to Galloway, uh, which was pretty tough in qualifying. <laughs> but, oh, he played it as well. I didn't. I didn't realize. Shoot. Yeah, I, I, I just found out now. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> so, so. We'll see how Steve Johnson deals with that challenge. That'll be interesting for sure. <laughs> yeah, and when it comes to the winner pick, as you said, I I'm too scared to go for Ibing Wu. Uh, because he's playing Albot in the opening round because he has a very tough quarter. I mean, Steve Johnson, Chris Eubanks, Talibor, Stina, come on. Even Vukic maybe when he catches some form. And honestly, this draw is, this draw is very strong. So let's, uh, let's maybe go with, I think I'm just going to have to try Kamil Mikeshak. Uh, pretty decent main two results recently. That quarterfinal in Sofia where he definitely could have won against Wessler and took a set of Kyrgios in Tokyo last week. Uh, I thought he played pretty well in this one. Uh, yeah, and he's playing against Jay Clark, who's been in just dire form. Uh, very tough semifinal, potentially, for Mike Shack if he gets there. Pretty tough final as well. But yeah, that that's the strength of this draw. And also in the very bottom quarter, there's a lot of potential contenders. So I also don't want to pick out of it. Yeah, this is a very tough one to predict. Uh, yeah, I also wanted to mention Yansin Chung. He actually is playing in the doubles with Kovacevic, which is pretty interesting. Oh, but now so maybe maybe Chung, maybe Chung is not in the championships. But uh, a guy uh, told me there's this guy on Twitter, like Tennis Asia, I think is his handle. I don't know. Do you know? Do you know him? Like he tweets about yeah. all the Asian players. And he, he said mm. something like that. I think he lives in South Korea because he was at the Seoul ATP 250. So, uh, so I think this is like, uh, you know, uh, it's not fake news. Yeah. Let's just say that. Yeah. No, 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 no I was just saying maybe he's playing there, but also yeah, playing the double. Um, could, could maybe singles or qualifying. Maybe. Uh, so that was pretty weird. But speaking of that Seoul 250, that will inspire my pick here as I'm going for a qualifier, Alexander Kovacevic. Uh, he's not in the main draw yet, but he looked very dominant uh, against somebody. Six love, six one, Shin. Obviously, last week against Hijikata, it, it wasn't great, but it was a quick turnaround after that Seoul semifinal. Um, it's perilous, but I feel like there's it, it's, a, it's a very even draw and very tough one to pick out of. So I feel like I will look like a genius if Kovacevic wins this. And you know, Yoris Delor, who's he, who he's going to play, look was even more dominant in the qualities, but he played a 15-year-old. <laughs> oh, that's... that. <laughs> this, this is really rough for them having this with, like, when their national championship is going on. It's, it's, it's not fair for them. But yeah, Yoris Delor lost to Keegan Smith last week, so I'm not super worried about them. And on we go to Saint-Tropez at Challenger 100, uh, back out, <laughs> uh, back in the outdoors after a couple of indoor uh, events um, in France. But the top seed here is Hugo Gaston facing Matteo Arnaldi, which should be an interesting opening round. Winner will face Harold Mayo or a qualifier. Gregor Barrera, who, by the way, is the highest uh, ELO-rated player in, in this season out of this field, which is pretty interesting to me, at 52 was quite surprising, but he faces Luca Banash and then Lucas Rosso, Rosso or Alexander Richard. Hugo Umber plays Laurent Locoli and then Stefano Travaglia or a qualifier. Jeffrey Blancano plays a qualifier and then Jurgen Briand or Nick Hart, two guys with huge weeks last, last week. So we'll see who wins out in that one. Yuri Rodinov plays Michal Kukushkin and then Milian Jekic or Oleksii Krutich. Fernando Vedasco plays Dana Dead and then Roberto Marcora or a qualifier. Jack Sock plays a qualifier and then Alexander Shevchenko or Federico Ferreira Silva. 
Hugo Grenier plays Jesper de Jong and then Louis Vessels or a qualifier. In the qualifying, the top seed and probably biggest threat is Adrian Andreev, who's been, you know, pretty, pretty good his last couple of weeks. Quite surprisingly. Uh, Mattia Bellucci is also in here, Arthur Fields. Um, so we will see who comes out of those. Uh, so the top seeds in the doubles here are Luis David Martinez and Denis Mochanov. Uh, playing together for the very first time. Uh, we also have pairs like Phils and Mayo, Rosal and Travaglia. Uh, Franco Kugor is play here playing with Jonathan Eiseric. Uh, we also have Tred Huey and Max Schneer, who have an interesting stat. They've only played uh, played together twice before in different seasons, 2019 and 2021. Both times they reached a challenger final. Uh, so it'd be interesting if they make that three in a row. Would be fun for sure. But back to the main draw singles, who are you going with for the title? Yeah, honestly, I don't know why, but your pick of Kovacevic makes me really want to go for Arthur Fields here. I mean, at some point it's, it's going to have to work out. It. But this, this draw is probably a bit too good. Um, yeah, honestly, uh, if he lands in a spot like against Marcora, then in that quarter... Oh, yeah, yeah, the Marcora spot. <laughs> yeah, but it, not only about Marcora, right? Like in that quarter, he'd be the favorite to, to win it, I think to reach the semis but i'm not too confident because the the, the the draw is really strong uh so i think i'm mostly thinking of three guys and they're the top three seeds maybe it's boring but who cares uh gaston umber and um yeah and uh grenier grenier just lost to pospisil but that's not really a bad loss is the young uh tough opening round draw you know he sometimes is he sometimes isn't uh, I'm certainly thinking of Umber again because, well, he seems to have picked up some form and obviously he has the talent and the section is pretty good. Um, Gaston is a possibility, but I somehow don't feel like on outdoor hardcores he's as dangerous as indoors. I'm not sure if it makes sense, but perhaps looking at his results in the past, I think it might. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think I have no other choice than to go for Ugo Umber and I'm not going to cry about it. I also suspect, though, that you're also going for him. The conclusion that Ugo Umber is the most likely player to win this tournament. Uh, for me, I didn't consider Gaston as much. Uh, as you said, outdoor hard, it doesn't seem to be as effective as game. Uh, I think his draw is quite tough in his quarter. Um, it came down... He has shown some great form on Outdoor Heart Challengers previously. Uh, but ultimately, I just liked Umber's draw. I really like that. Whereas Umber, Blancano retired last week locally, Travaglia. I mean, Briand and Hart, if they uh, continued their magic from last week, maybe they can do something. But I think Umber should definitely make the semis and hopefully onwards. All right, we can go to Rio de Janeiro, where our top seed is Federico Coria. Uh, top seed only in in the in name, really. I don't think he's he's our pick or favorite. Uh, he plays a wild card in Gustavo Almeida, and then Juan Bautista Torres or a qualifier. Then we have Juan Manuel Serundolo facing Tiago Agustin Tirante, and then Genesi or a qualifier. Chequinato plays Villanueva and then Joao Fonseca or a qualifier. Meli Jenny Alves plays a qualifier and then Puccinelli de Almeida or Comesania. Alexander Muller 
plays Rodriguez Taberna and then Dutra da Silva are qualifier. Hugo Carabey plays Taderi in a pretty big first round here. And then Renzo Olivo or Gastão Elias. Yeah, Yannick Hanfman plays Reis da Silva and then Popko or Hoinski, who's here with a special exam. Uh, Hoinski and Varias could meet each other in the quarterfinals, uh, funnily enough. Varias playing Cuiarini and then Olivieri or a qualifier in the same section here. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we will see if these guys actually show up. I, I have an inkling of Varias actually win or loss. I, I, I would maybe surprised if he if he shows up for this one. Uh, but let's go over to the qualifying where we have Mariano Navone. He's the the big name uh, that's quite dangerous. Uh, we have Stepos Wild as well, who plays Sumit Nagal. Uh, Karol Drzewiecki had a nice showing against Juan Pablo. Pericat and Remy Bertola, who was obviously huge last week. In the doubles, we have Andreotti and Duran facing Tirante and Torres in an interesting first round match. Koinski is playing with Nagal, Popko is playing with Rincon, Matoszewski is playing with Powell are the second seats playing Sebojvil and Wukarabe. So lots of lots of pretty big names from the singles also playing in the double which will likely bode for a lot of withdrawals and a messed up draw, but we'll see how, how it goes. But back to the main draw singles, who are you looking at for the title? Yeah, I'm not going to pick Navone, although I, I totally agree that if someone is winning this event from the qualities, then it's him. He lost a set to Rafael Tosetto. I have no clue who that guy is. Um, yeah, and this one I actually looked at beforehand. I can't remember for what reason, but I did. And there's a lot of things that I'm unsure about, like Varias Colarini definitely don't want to get into this, plus, of course, Varias being in the final at Campinas. Hugo Carabelli, Darderi, that's an amazing first round too. Miller Rodriguez Taverna, Tirante Serundolo, that's just so much stuff. So basically, I'm thinking between uh, Serundolo anyway. I don't care that he plays Tirante. I don't care that he is Korea in the opening round. If he plays like the, in the week, in the event that he won, which was Villa Maria, I think, or maybe Buenos Aires, something, you know, you know, Villa Maria was kicker, right? I don't know. You, you know, Serundolo winning, a, winning a challenger a couple of weeks back. Yes. That's, uh, that's what I'm talking about. And uh, no matter Buenos where it was, Buenos Aires. Yeah. Uh, because right now it wasn't Buenos Aires. Right now it was Campinas. Yeah, then Buenos Aires yeah. for sure. You're right. And um, the other guy I'm thinking of is Chakinato, mostly for the fact that he has a pretty nice draw in the opening, in the first two rounds. Uh, then Comesania could be tough. Manigani could be tough. But still, if Chakinato translates his European form to uh, South America, I think he can easily win this tournament. Uh, I think he did well a couple times in South America in the past, uh, even uh, won an, a main tour event, I think. And I'm not sure which of the two to go for, but I think I'm going to try Marco Cecchinato. All right. Okay, we are not matching then because I have gone for Juan Manuel Serundola. <laughs> Uh, in the in the ELO, in the ELO this season, in the ELO uh, on the surface, he's number one in all of them. Uh, the number two in all of them is Varias, who was obviously still. After that, it's it's split between Cecchinato in two categories, Korea in one. Uh, obviously, we talk a lot about these guys from Europe coming over. Uh, 
checking out his head time with his first round exit in in Parma uh, to to come over and and uh, get used to the conditions. But it will still go go for Serundolo here. I I like those sort of guys who win a challenger, take a week off, and come in. I I feel like that's a very good recipe for for picks. Um, Tirante in the first round. Tirante's lost his last six matches in a row. Uh, so I'm not overly threatened. I'm not threatened by Korea either. So I feel like we will see our guys meet in the semis. That would be uh, a very, very good go semi. Sure. Oh, yeah. No, it, it would be yeah, very entertaining for sure. Uh, we go over to Fairfield, where the top seed still is Denis Kudla. I, I, ex- I expected him to withdraw, but he's still in this draw. Uh, he faces Michael Pervalarakis and then Zachary Svaida or a qualifier. Svaida definitely not the type of player you want to see when you have a shoulder injury <laughs> uh, coming up in your draw. Also in the section is Escobedo playing Oradini and then Fansolo or a qualifier. Ben Shelton plays Aiden Mayo and then Gabriel Diallo or Leandro Riedi. Enzo Kako faces Roberto Kirosh and then they will the winner of that match will face one of two qualifiers. Yun Cheng Shang plays Charles Broom and then Valentin Bachero or Jacob Fairnley. Michael Mo plays Paul Job and then Nicolas Mejia or Qualifier. Mitchell Kruger plays Alexis Galano and then Evan Zhu or Benjamin Locke. Stefan Kozlov plays a Qualifier and then Christian Langmo or Gomid Nanda. In the qualifying, uh, let me see who's actually winning these matches because there were a lot of interesting names. We have guys like Sandgren, Alex Mikkelsen, August uh, Holmgren. Martin Dam, Zeke Clark, Alfredo Perez, uh, all made it through. Ayeni is playing right now. He's actually down a set point to William Blumberg, who would be an interesting one if he makes it through. He's been largely a double specialist. We also have Patrick Gibson playing Edan Leshem. Uh, so lots of interesting names to come out of the qualifying potentially. In the double, I expect this to be a cash and patent show once again. Uh, the other pairs seem a bit lacking, though we do have Riedi and Bachero and Clark and Perez, the final of last week happening. Exciting. Alafia Ayeni is playing with Gabriel Diallo. That should be an interesting pairing. Uh, Broom and France, and they reached the final earlier in the season. But yeah, I think it's going to be cash and patent here. In the singles, though, who are you going for? Yeah, Cash and Patton were also supposed to win Tiburon and they lost to Riedi Vashro, so maybe it's not as set in stone. Fair point, fair point. Yeah, that's that's a fair Uh, point. Although it it was certainly set in stone in that one tournament that we talked about like a couple of weeks ago, where they they really played no one that could take them out, even in doubles, which is often random. Yeah, Kudla with the injury, not not really one. I don't want to go for this. Shelton. Diallo in the second round is legit super tough if he gets to play him. And after this week, I'm not sure I trust Shelton to go back. Well, sort of back to back, back to back finals. Uh, Shang is certainly a possibility, may, mostly because in this bottom half of the draw, I think his only threats are Pashro and Jab or Mo, but they can play him, you know, second round quarterfinal. Still is. I, I, I still am going to go for Yun Cheng Shang, I think, although my confidence levels are fairly low, let's say. I was also, yeah, I was also considering Shelton and that's probably it, really. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to talk about inflated ELO ratings. Gabriel Diallo, I think, has to be up there. He's <laughs> number 128 
in ELO after really just a couple of challengers above Denis Kudlov, for example, who's 131. Um, but, <laughs> which is, it doesn't make really any sense to me. Um, yeah, I mean, Diallo will be tough, but looking at Ben Shelton's performances after those first two finals, I'm not really worried about him going back to back here. He performed well both times. After uh, the Rome Challenger, he went to the semis in Indianapolis, lost to Kovacevic, which isn't a bad loss. After the Chicago Challenger, he went to Cincinnati and got wins over Sonigo and Kasper Ruud, uh, which is mightily impressive. Obviously, lost pretty easily to Nori. Um, but yeah, I feel like this is going to be a Ben Shelton tournament here. So we're going to swap picks from last week, and I'm going for Ben Shelton here. <laughs> and we will close out in Ismaning. One of the last strongholds of carpet tennis, uh, professional carpet tennis at the very least on the on the challenger tour here. It's it's an interesting draw for sure. Like I would I would have expected some of these players to be in Saint Tropez. Um, but here they are. Let's start with top seed Quentin Alice, who's one of those players for me for sure. He's playing Michael Het and then Ramkumara Ramanathan or a qualifier. Nerman Fatic plays a qualifier and then Filip Honansky or Alastair Gray. Denis Novak plays Denis Yevseyev, and then Benjamin Hassan or a qualifier. Anton Escofie plays a qualifier, and then Gabriel de Camps or another qualifier. Daniel Masur plays Evgeny Kalovsky, and then Vitaly Sachko or Mats Morang. Vasek Pospisil is here playing Filip Florig, and then Marco Topo or Jonas Foretek. Antoine Bellier plays a qualifier, and then Lukas Kleiner or Otto Vitanen, one of my favorite first rounds here. I'm really, really curious about that one. Tomasz Machac plays Max Hans Rechberg and then Zdenia Kolaj or Robin Hase. In the qualifying, uh, I watched a lovely match of Lukas Latsko, uh, unfortunately losing to Bu Yunjao Kete, but Latsko on, on carpet, I had to watch it. Uh, some of the guys that might be interesting here, um, Kasper Zhuk, one, one and three in his opener. We also have Eupovic or Rosenkranz, they'll, they'll face off. Eipovic, who beat Donskoy uh, in the first round, who that was a pretty interesting match as well. Julian Lenz in here as well, Billy Harris, Matthias Bachinger faces Mirza Basic. So lots of interesting names. In the doubles, we have Johnny O'Mara teaming up with Ramkumar Ramanathan. Dustin Brown plays with Julian Lenz. Zdeni Kolaj plays with Petr Nouza. Um, Kasper Zhuk teams up with Shimon Valkov. We have Hase and Masur, probably the favorites in my eyes at the second seed. Raja and Sharan uh, in here as well. But back to the singles, who are you looking at for the title? I honestly don't know. It, predicting something like this, the only carpet event of the year or something, it's just... Uh, you obviously know you have to go for big servers and instantly I'm thinking of Alice with the sort of serve return game that he has on carpet. He should be very good. Uh, I have no clue. Like, how does a guy like Denis Novak play on on this carpet? I, by the way, I'm constantly I don't know, but for the last few days, when thinking about Ismaning, well, not not it's not that I'm constantly thinking about Ismaning. I, I uh, you know, just <laughs> it, it pops into my head, and then I think of that Sharapova quote uh, when she said that um, if I was announcing my retirement, it certainly wouldn't be in uh, downtown LA and on this fairly ugly carpet, because Ismaning is really a fairly ugly carpet. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, um, 
I do. I uh, Pospisil is possible, um, even though he just played, of course, Belier. But how do you even predict a match like Klein Virtanen and then Klein or Virtanen against Belier on carpet? It's just going to be, uh, yeah. Mahat, Mahat did pretty well, I think, last year, but lost to Lachko, who had a fantastic run. Well, now, now, now he's probably done. Anyhow, I am really even, I considered Kasper Schuch, <laughs> but he's playing Stuart Parker in the second round of qualifying, and that doesn't sound too easy, although he's just beaten Parker in Falun. It was a pretty close match, though. Um, and one guy I also, I also considered, it also would be a total hero call, but I thought of Marco Topo. Mm. Like, this is a guy who could excel on these carpet courts, I think. But playing for Aitek, then playing Pospisil, I think um, even Masur in the quarters, potentially Masur won Ekental, I think, or maybe was in the final in Ekental, did something uh, on carpet in recent years too. So I, I'm just so, so lost that I have to go for the top seed, Quintalis. <laughs> Yeah, much like uh, an average carpet court bounce, uh, it, it, it's a crapshoot trying to predict who's going to win on this. Uh, I've never played on indoor carpet, I've played on outdoor carpet once, which we had in Slovakia oh. to simulate a grass court, uh, which was pretty pretty funky. Um, hated it, I never wanted to do it again just because it was so entirely unpredictable. It was like, usually, usually it came very low. Uh, which was never my bag uh, getting low. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so so it's it's weird that, that, that we still play on this, uh, but I'm sort of glad that we still play on this to have this one tournament. I'm glad that it's so well attended. I'm shocked that in my opinion, I'm shocked that Mahach is here, frankly. Um, Pospisil was somebody that I looked at quite a bit, but I decided to go for Denis Novak just because I like his draw quite a bit. But as I said, this could be this could be anybody's game. I, I considered a, a Latsko uh, hero call after watching his <laughs> match. And he won the first set. I was like, oh, here we go. This is it. Uh, vintage Latsko, but obviously ran out of steam in the next two sets. He, he doesn't have it anymore. I think that he will get one last main draw match in Bratislav. And I feel like that will be it for his, for his career. Yeah. I, I feel like I, uh, I mean, I've never heard of outdoor carpet courts. I think I played on an indoor one once and it's actually really my cup of tea because I always liked uh, it lower bouncing very fast. I, well, grew up is a bit too much of a word because you actually like played tennis realistically when you were a junior and I was, I didn't. Oh, well, I mean, I, I, I don't want to overstate how good I was because I mean, it was never that but I, but I did play quite a bit of tennis. Yeah, you 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 are sort of you know training and you know I, I think it counts. For me, it was never that, so I can't really say that I grew up on uh, something similar. But I uh, learned how to play on an artificial grass court, and it was very very low, a uh, very low bounce, very unpredictable and super fast. So, the carpet is definitely right up my alley. But honestly, watching it. Uh, <laughs> I, I do I do want to go to Ismaning at some point though. Uh, it would be uh, you know just, just something completely different, and that's why it interests me also to see how that orange court uh, looks in person. Uh, because well, on the stream, uh, you know if it's one, it's like the yellow clay in Seville. 
if it's just mm. one week a year, it's fine. I don't care. It's it's a nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like your carpet. You can make it any sort of cool color you want. It takes like five minutes to put down. Apparently, that's that's what it's mm. famous for. <laughs> but uh, to go with such an unappealing uh, color for for TV, <laughs> well, I mean, not TV. I mean, streaming. Uh, realistically, it's it's an interesting choice for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, with that, I guess we'll we'll finish here. Uh, thanks for staying here with us up until the very end. Thanks for listening. If you left in the middle, but you're not gonna hear that. My my great <laughs> me being grateful. Anyhow, uh, we'll see you in a week uh, when we discuss uh, Fairfield, Rio de Janeiro, Ismaning, Saint Tropez, and. So. Ah, so I was looking for a third European event and I totally forgot that Asia is a thing. Uh, anyhow, once again, thank you. <laughs> Bye.